You're listening to your More Than a Vote MBA podcast with David and Kang. Kang, the American people have spoken. They want the white King Biden to lead the country. They want the GOAT King James to lead the MBA, and they want us, your MBA podcast, to lead all MBA podcasts. <laughs> And that's at your NBA podcast. Please tweet us at your NBA podcast. We we did gain a lot because we just, I mean, especially you were tweeting like a storm during the playoffs. I think it helps when the games are on and people like you know watching the games and having Twitter on its side. Kane, the question I have for you is: Did we gain those followers legally? Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. There was chatter, chatter about uh, maybe illegally attaining some fraudulent followers to maybe just look, make it appear that we have a larger fan base than we actually do. But um, no, this is completely, completely, completely legal. Um, attained very legal channels. Technically, we're not in the new season yet, so this is kind of like a mid-season. Not mid-season,、um, an off-season special. Yeah, this is like the 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 pre-season for season three. This past week, we did have the election, and、um, we do now have a new king in America. Did you want to just give us your thoughts on this? I mean, I know you're a bit disappointed since you're a bit a bit of a fan of fascist <laughs> regimes. Wow, <laughs> low blow, low <laughs> blow. And seeing how、uh, one has ended,、uh, I think that pretty much cuts the ties between. Ah,、uh, not necessarily. Donald Trump was weird that way. He wanted to、uh, run forever as president, but then he didn't want anything to do with China at the same time. The former King Trump has. I guess he can't be a former king. Once a king, always a king. So I'm just going to refer to him as King、yeah. Trump. He always be referred to as Mr. President. I, I also hope that one day he'll be Mr. President and also. <laughs> Current, current con,、uh, convict inmate number whatever, number forty-five. And America has crowned their new king, but former King Trump is refusing to cede power. So, what do you make of this?、Uh, I mean, it's pretty predictable. You've been following the U.S. elections, obviously, right? You've been following them pretty closely. Yeah, like I think anyone that follows uh, uh, American politics and definitely has. Ramped up in the last year because you know Donald Trump is is a lightning rod for conversation and controversy.、Um, I think anyone knew that he wouldn't step down quietly, and he even says as, as much that this wouldn't be a peaceful transition. I guess the thing is like no matter who, who, you know democratically who the American people choose to become president, it doesn't matter unless Donald Trump concedes fully, like unless he gives his concession speech, right? Because at the end of the day. Seventy million people still voted for Donald Trump, and if Donald Trump, their leader, goes up on stage and tells them、uh, the votes are illegal, it's fraudulent. I need my I need my troops to stand up for me and fight back and fight back, you know, for America.、Uh, you know, this is a sizable contingent of the American population will do what he says, and I think that's the scary thing. You know, you need to squash that, obviously, but I don't know exactly how you do it if a mil. Literally, even not seventy million people, but like even a million people do it. That's a lot of people across that country that is going to incite anarchy, basically. So, what's going to happen? Well, I don't think we'll get that far, but I think that's the scary notion of what Donald Trump's power can lead to if he doesn't concede peacefully.、Um, I think eventually he'll go to courts and hopefully he'll get arrested. Because when you think it's like something that was really bad, like 
you know, he's a racist, he's a bigot, he's a sexist, right? But these things aren't like, you know, you have to let the courts play that out. And it's also hard to prove. It's also like, you know, their word against their, uh, your words against theirs. But when you go publicly in the White House and talk about undermining democracy, like the very, right, the very fundamental rights of the country, the First Amendment, the, the, the ability to give the people the right to have their voice heard and, you know, and vote and, and speak freely and, and choose their religion freely, he's undermining all these core principles of democracy. And it just, that, don't you think that's even worse than everything is done before almost? Like there's one thing to do like, you know, make policy changes and stuff like that because there's always going to be partisanship for policy changes, but he's literally undermining what all Americans so the question still stands, How? what exactly is going to happen? Because King Trump can just say, mm. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving the White House. And you really mm. can't arrest yeah. him. I hope they can. The transfer yeah. of power has not happened. He can just say, I don't, I reject the, this result. It's fake. It's not real. It's been stolen mm. from me. In which case, mm. like how? I don't know what the legal recourse is, yeah. So who then enforces the law? Who actually comes and takes them away from the White House? Because I don't think the Secret Service can do that. I don't know. I, I really have no idea. But yeah, it's never been done before. They've never had to remove a president forcefully before from the White <laughs> like an ex-president forcefully from the White House. I would love to see it. I would love to it's see it. It's not clear if that's even possible. Like who is going to execute that order? And who, where is that order going to come from? You're assuming that he's no longer president, but what if he's not, he refuses to let that go? He says, I am the president. So, <laughs> I, would love, um, I would love this uh, show on ABC uh, coming out where Joe Biden is roommate with Donald Trump in the White House. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Biden's trying to work and Donald the, Trump is like sitting on his in ass the background. in the Oval eating Office cheeseburger. eating Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, eating a cheeseburger. I would, I would hate to watch that. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> the administration's going to move into the White House and Donald Trump would be just there. <laughs> still, still there. Oh. Okay, we, let's get back to uh, what this show is all about. Uh, we can't solve all of America's problems, man. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on this because mm -hmm. I, I think even though Joe Biden is now the so-called president-elect, it's not quite clear exactly how this power is going to transfer. The transfer of power is not decided by the Associated Press or the, or the media or even the, the people that count the votes, right? The transfer of power happens when the former president cedes power to the new president. And until that happens, yeah, that's yeah, or more, you know, uh, the House or uh, Congress or whatever makes that decision. But until that happens, we're kind of in a mm. limbo situation. Well, that's why they, yeah, they call him president-elect right now. He's not, yeah, he's not sworn in as president yet because, yeah, there's all these things that have to happen first. To your okay, Kane. Uh, yeah, well, what are we talking about today? Basketball? Originally, we were saying, let's wait until basketball. What's that? <laughs> um, Jesus. Basketball, that's right. Well, can I ask you before we dive into it, how are your thoughts like a month later or whatever, how long it's, I think it's been a month since the Lakers are NBA champions. How do you feel? Do you feel like it was earned? Do you uh, feel happy? Do you feel like, I said, is, this the, is this the happiest? 
Is this the happiest championship you reckon? You no, think? it's not the happiest championship. I, I would say that. What's my happiest championship? I would have to say probably either Cleveland's first championship or the Toronto championship. Twenty sixteen. Those were my happiest. Okay, so sixteen on. I would say probably team. LeBron's okay. uh, Cleveland championship, just because it was so improbable that he came back from three one. Whereas in Toronto's case, even though it's Toronto, it's amazing story. It's Kawhi.、Um, the fact、mm. that we saw so many injuries during that series, it was kind of like okay,、mm. championship is a championship, but this is not coming back from adversity against、yeah. you know the winningest team in NBA history. The block, Iggy's going to get a statue for that, by the way, in <laughs> in front of the Quicken <laughs> Quicken Center, <laughs> Quicken Arena.、Um, <laughs> But the Lakers, the Lakers, you still feel a bit of a glow after. Oh, absolutely! After like unlike you, who sort of abandoned. I feel like you've abandoned the league、um, some sometime <laughs> early in the bubble. I really enjoyed the bubble <laughs> experience. You know, I I loved it. Hey, I enjoyed it too. I loved NBA.、Restart. Yeah, I I mean, and not just the road to the championship. All the other teams as well. I loved following the Suns. Uh, being undefeated, I love. I mean, this is going to sound bad of me, but I love watching the narrative of Paul George shrinking again in the moment,、uh, shooting the the ball, hitting the edge of the backboard. I loved、um, people, <laughs> Luka Doncic, shooting three point game winners over <laughs> over the Clippers.、Um, I loved all of it. Tyler Hero, the emergence of Tyler Hero, Duncan、mm. Robinson. I think Tyler here is a good one,、um, and obviously the the Lakers win. So the fact that the NBA originally, I was in the mind that the NBA is going to restart、uh, next March. The latest is that it's going to restart、uh, before Christmas. I don't know how I feel about that, right? Because I'm sort of still enjoying my off season. I'm still like sort of getting my head around the the championship win, and I feel like even before the Lakers can celebrate. Properly with the fans of LA, their championship. We're going to have like the restart of the next season, and I feel like that's too soon. I don't mind it. I, I wonder what the safety precautions are going to be、uh, for the restart because obviously December twenty second is pretty soon. It's literally a month and a half away,、um, and we know that the coronavirus is as bad as it's ever been in the United States, getting over a hundred thousand daily cases now. Uh, so you know all this, all this, all the precautions of safety and you know around COVID before needs to be heightened even more now,、uh, especially now they're going to play a seventy-two game season、uh, for the you know for the start on December twenty-second. We definitely know Toronto is moving out of not going to be playing in Canada. That's that's for a fact. So there's no Canadian Canadian、uh, you know home support. Unfortunately, has to be played in a, in an American city. Um, so there's definitely some provisions that have to be made, and I think maybe not the bubble. I know you're sh- shaking your head. Maybe it's not a bubble. Maybe it's not a restriction of cities, but there has to be something, and it definitely has to be a lot of regulations, just like the NFL, because NFL is still fully traveling. I wish, it, I mean, I love the NFL. I love watching the games, but it's just this dreaded me that every week there's like star players are、uh, uh, taken out because of COVID. Yeah, we'll talk about the Buccaneers, okay? I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the Buccaneers. All, I'm all, all about- I'm saying is the NBA. I haven't heard anything in terms of what sort of steps they're going to take、uh, to, you know, mitigate or, you know, prevent people from getting COVID. 
I have some insights here. I've been talking to people that are close to, that are closely involved in the negotiations. Now there's going to be Adam, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, I don't. I don't want to drop names. I don't want to drop any names, Kate. <laughs> Let's just call him Mr. S. Just <laughs> Mr. S. <laughs> I'll call him Mr. S. Okay. He doesn't have a lot of hair. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who it could be. Talking to Mr. S. Let's just call him Mr. S. There's going to be no bubble. There won't be another bubble. But um, what、mm. it will be is that they'll try to schedule it so that teams are playing within their their division more. I'm not exactly sure exactly what that would entail because I feel like that would mean that cross conference play is going to be reduced. You're going to、mm. have maybe just the one game. Uh, against some of the、uh, uh, the opponents on the in the other conference, but it could mean that you're playing your divisional rivals four times, five times, six times,、mm. which obviously has an impact because some divisions are very strong. But there is there, they do play the divisional opponents more than other teams already. Right.、Um, obviously, no one hangs the divisional banners in the rafters, but、um, they do face each other a lot. Like I know the Atlantic Division is a Is is a tough division for the Nets because you still got the Celtics, you still got the Raptors,、um, the Knicks. Good, and, <laughs> I mean, good that they're there so we can rack up some wins. And、uh, the Sixers, Sixers are tough. So I, I know, if, at least from the Atlantic point of view, it, it's a tough division. And、um, yeah, to your point about the、uh, traveling across the country, traditionally I think it's two. You make a West Coast trip and an East Coast trip. And then you play one at home and you play one at away, kind of thing like that,、uh, for either side.、Uh, so yeah, maybe they reduce it. I, it makes sense because they're only playing seventy-two games, so that's a reduction of ten games for the season. And yeah, maybe some teams will be lucky; they don't have to travel as much, or they get to play their like cross conference team or cro- what do you cross coast team only once, and maybe they only ha- they, and they get the advantage of playing at home.、Um, my, my question is actually, and since you. Have the answers. Well, what's the situation with fans attending games? The latest from Mr. S is that the high-level answer is that it depends on the market. So obviously, different states, different cities will have different rules and laws in place, and、uh, as a baseline, that will be followed. Obviously,、uh, beyond that, what might happen is that we start off with not so many fans, but by next year. Um, we may see some markets have more fans than than others,、mm. and I think that can work. That can work,、um, as we've seen in baseball. It can work. You know, having ten thousand fans or just five thousand fans—that's okay. It's better than having no fans because one of the drivers to why the season is starting so quickly without giving LeBron proper rest and respect. Of a proper off season is because the difference between a December, late December start and a late January or February or March start is potentially a billion dollars. And the league already kind of suffered a financial ramification to the bubble restart. Yes, I think the league and... lost like one point five billion dollars, or you know, like a a couple of billion dollars basically this time around. So they definitely want fans, and they don't want, to, and they definitely want to maximize the season and play as many games as they can to recoup some of that loss.
Um, which I mean, they need. I mean, it's a, even, yeah. even if it means that they'll cut some slack to uh, not finding, you know, the top players who maybe not who won't suit up or won't play as much right. in the beginning of the season. Those rules, yeah, will be lessened, will be relaxed a bit. I'm just, I just want them to be strict on COVID though. Like the COVID restrictions, if they're going to allow fans in the stadiums, um, maybe they need to reshape the seating arrangements so they're sitting a bit further away from from the players. Maybe there's still like some kind of, some kind of like per, perspex gloss in a way between between the players and the fans, um, like an NHL sort of arena. Uh, but yeah, I really want to make sure that they uphold uh, COVID restrictions to the fullest because I, you know, we you don't you don't want people infected with coronavirus and then playing each other on the court because you know that's the whole reason it went in into uh, what's the word like that's the reason it paused in the first place. Yeah, with the COVID, I think it's more of ensuring that there's regular testing of the hookers and strippers that Lou Williams visit and making sure that <laughs> Lou, Lou Williams gets his own like <laughs> COVID detail. Yeah, COVID detail. It's more about, I think it's more about that. Um, look, I'm not too worried about the COVID situation just because there will be COVID, but um, in the situation of a full season of 70 plus games, I think there will be enough buffer in there to to deal with it even if it means uh teams would be able to bring in additional players to fill in roster spots temporarily yeah just yeah, and like some perspective nfl has been like super strict with uh covid restri- uh covid rules um one of the teams that las vegas raiders actually um they've been seen as like a repetitive violator of the rules They've actually been doctor draft pick Whoa. and like million dollars, dollars, millions of dollars in fines. So they're not playing around. And I like that the NFL is taking this hard approach. As in, in addition, they're not most stadiums aren't letting home home teams have fans uh, in the stadium, or like just very few. So they're taking a very very harsh and strict approach um, to trying to you know stop the spread of coronavirus but you know there's only so much you can do and nba once again you're playing many more games there's many more chances for interaction between if fans are led into the stadium between them and the players um i i know from your point of view it's nothing to be too concerned about because it's a long season and you're just going to have players miss time anyway but i i just i think about it from like a health standpoint not just like in terms of like the conclusion of the season just purely health and players might opt out like i don't think it will happen like to that to that degree but i, I just think we need to be more considerate this is a shortened off season so players have to be rushed back um like you said lebron james just after th- playing through um the bubble audio has to kind of go back to work and so there's not much consideration for a lot of these players and you know, the time the time off and off season because we know that the nba players associate association has pushed back on the start date and wanted the mlk day to be a start date so gen 18 so it really did come down to finance um but at the end of the day i think they need to invest more money to make sure that there's proper equipment and safety protocols to protect the players and their health and yeah hopefully not too many people get covid i'm sure they will but yeah just not too many Uh, but i'm sure the season will play out just as fine as it was in a bubble yeah i agree I think the silver lining to this is that because there's going to be more opportunities for substitutions, we might see some players back that we otherwise would not 
So I'm talking about Jeremy Lin. I'm talking about Isaiah Thomas. I've been following Jeremy Lin's journey back as well. Um, he's, he's in America now. He's, he's kind of done with China and he's announced that he wants to make a return to the NBA where he belongs. Um, and I'm sure a team's going to accept him. Like you said, if they deepen the benches, open up the, the bench squad to, you know, more than a maximum 15, usually it's 15. Now maybe it's 18 because like you said, they want to introduce a larger squad. I guarantee Jeremy Lin's going to find a home somewhere. And I've heard rumors that the Golden State Warriors are interested in him. I like him. that. The Brooklyn Nets are interested in him. I like that. Um, and him being, a, being part of a winning organization, I think that's going to pay well. And he's a, he's a team, he's a, he's a, he's a team first kind of guy. Like he's going to help the team first. And that's always been the bugaboo. Like he's so team first that he doesn't take the kind of statistical glory in his early prime days. Um, he's always like deferring to his teammates. Um, but I think now that's kind of going to work in his benefit because he's such a team guy. He's going to be happy sitting on the bench and he's going to be coaching and mentoring the younger players um, for whichever team, especially the Warriors. They're going to have a lot of young players. Uh, especially if they keep the draft pick. Um, so, and obviously they have Steph, Kate, uh, Clay, and, and Draymond still. So uh, that could be a dangerous team if Jeremy Lin joins and becomes their bench point guard. They have the number two pick as well in this draft. Exactly. But they could trade out of mm. it, I suppose. Mm. Um, we don't know exactly. And the thing with Jeremy Lin is he's actually in, he should be probably in pretty good shape. Because unlike some teams and players, let's say the pathetic Knicks, who haven't played since March, uh, Jeremy Lin was in was playing in China over even you know over the summer, I believe. So he hasn't sat out like for he's a whole year. Playoff. Exactly. So he hasn't sat out for a whole year. He should be pretty sharp. I think he's in shape. Uh, he wasn't injured. I, I don't think from in the, in the CBA. So he should be pretty fit. Um, but obviously, injury is always a question mark with him. I. I don't know. I I hope he doesn't get injured again. That would I think that would probably shatter his NBA dream. In in any case, so I think that like I said, that's sort of a silver lining in the sense that we might see some of these players that uh, that we've been following, but for whatever reason, it's not in the league. Come back to the league. Jason Kidd's like, fuck it, I'm, <laughs> I'm coming back. I'm I'm back, baby. Okay, just make sure. Uh, Plays to the league. Just make sure we we send him the drive the Uber. Don't let him drive. <laughs> <laughs> is this his second championship, Jason Kidd? He's won one with Dallas as a player. Now this is his first as a coach. As right? a coach, he didn't. Yeah. He wasn't part of any other, any other championship squads. Uh, unfortunately, no, because the pathetic Nets couldn't win a single game in the NBA Finals. Yeah, but we went up against two all-time greats and Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant. Unfortunately, it's okay. And Shaq, it's okay. Four and oh. Well, should we quick? quickly talk about some i didn't think we've i mean we haven't talked since the final so i guess this is breaking news at least for us uh the brooklyn nets have completed their coaching hi- hiring stuff uh, uh completed hiring the coaching staff and that is in the tune of steve nash as head coach uh amara stoudemire i think he's the big man coach um and big reveal Mike D'Antoni wow. is assistant head coach. Oh, no, he's not assistant head coach. He's actually the offensive assistant coach. Wow. And Jack Vaughn is assistant, lead assistant coach in, uh, for the Nets. Jack Vaughn has, is now the coffee boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lead assistant coach slash coffee errand boy. My, um, okay, well, I, you know, I, I'll say this, a little humble brag. I'm, I was right, obviously. I don't know why anyone ever disagreed 
with me in terms of Mike D'Antoni as a fit in Brooklyn. I wouldn't be happy if he was the head coach of the Nets, to be honest, and Steve Nash was the assistant coach. Like, I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be happy with that um, system. Let me just ask you something. Let's before we get into this whole thing. Let me just ask you: How happy are you? Do you feel guilty at this point that your pathetic teams, for some reason, has been just blessed with good luck and good karma over the last two years? Because this is getting kind of it's kind of getting ridiculous. Yeah, that's right? good karma. It's a buildup of your pathetic nets were in the garbage can. I thought they were going to be perennial losers for the next next decade, and all of a sudden, you know, they built this young squad that become attractive. This is a team that got totally raped by every team. This is a team that you know uh, Bobby Marks pimped out to the rest of the league. Uh, this is uh, Billy <laughs> King. I think Marks. he's still Billy King. Uh, Billy King. I think he's still recovering. He's still recovering. Okay. And all of a sudden, you get Kyrie, you get KD, you get Steve Nash. I'm talking about two-time back-to-back MVP. I don't care that he doesn't have coaching experience, right? As we know, on the court, sometimes you just need someone that the players can resonate and listen to, and that's Steve Nash. And now you bring in Mike D'Antoni as the assistant coach? This is one of the top coaches in the league. Last year, okay, and if you if you put Mike D'Antoni on a defensive heavy team or a team that's got no offense, you go okay. Let's see what he can do there. But you bring him in and you give him a Kyrie Irving, creative player, and a KD, one of the top offensive players in the league. This is outrageous. This team is going to be very very good. Who could have predicted this? That they reformed the twenty、mm. the two thousand and ten like Phoenix Suns in Brooklyn. Mm. Mm. And just as potent, w- just as potent now. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, the coaching staff would resemble the yeah the twenty two thousand eight Phoenix Suns.、Uh, but what I will say is, like, I won't touch on the historical sort of point of view. Like, the Nets are a garbage team, and that you know when they hire Sean Marks, that they will have this young nucleus that would build them up into an eventual playoff team, and that would kind of have the goodwill of the league. That's. Like a lot of that's luck. Like who knew that Joe Harris would turn out to be a knockdown shooter? Who knew Spencer Dinwiddie would be like one of the best bench players in the league? You know, like these are all things that you take calculated risk, right? You take、uh, you take risk and you take、uh, chances on players that you feel have talent and that have potential to become even better talents. Like Karis Car- Levert was injured and was picked twentieth overall. Even now, even though he's probably one of the top five. Picks in that draft, I don't remember who he was drafted with, but definitely one of the better players because he's considered as much as possibly the third star on this Nets team if they don't make a big trade for like a Drew Holiday type.、Um, but what I will say is, what's proven is when they moved to New Jersey to Brooklyn, they knew that it was a bigger market, and right off the bat, it's it's proven true. You can say what you want about Darren Williams, but Darren Williams was an All Star when he joined the Nets. I know you're laughing, but it, it's true. Darren Williams was a big star, and when his contract was up for renewal after the Nets season,、uh, after his first season in New Jersey, he resigned with the Brooklyn Nets. He resigned because the Nets were able to get Joe, were able to, you know, obviously trade a lot for Joe Johnson, trade a lot for Joe Wallace. Obviously, these moves just totally just raped the franchise, like you said, because that Joe Wallace pick turned out to be like a Damian Lillard.、Uh, but the point still stands. This is a big market team. That time and time again, it was able to attract big names.、Uh, Dwight Howard wanted to come to the Nets. I know that for a fact.、Um, 
talking to people around the uh, talking to a part-time owner one time in a bar Dwight Howard was going to come to the Nets but uh, I guess some kind of other trades happened that intervened in the way so uh, but Dwight Howard was happy he wanted to join the join Brooklyn franchise he did eventually but then <laughs> got cut uh, and and then we've got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant obviously you need a smart general manager that can free up the necessary cap space to even necessitate the move but the fact that they were more than willing to join this team in addition to the fact that they wanted to take New York away from the Knicks and wanted to join a big market team and make the names for themselves in a big market themselves um, it proves time and time again this is a big market team uh, with the ability to appeal to uh, you know star players so that's for a fact, right? So we got Kevin Durant, we got Kyrie Irving in large part because of our market, because of our general manager, because of the players and the talent that's currently there and the flexibility to kind of rebuild this coaching staff now. And, you know, shame, un, like, sh- you know, unfortunately, Kenny Atkinson wasn't that, wasn't that guy. Like, I wish he was given more time to build this team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in tow. But I guess, you know, whether it was coaching style or just, you know, vision and philosophy on the team culture, it didn't fit. It didn't vibe with them. And unfortunately, Kenny Atkinson's still not hired by any team. So I wish that changes because he's a damn good coach. We know that for a fact. Um, But because of these two stars, they were able to reshape the coaching staff. And... I don't know who approached who first, you know, whether it was Kevin Durant because they worked together in Golden State with Steve Nash or Sean Marks, who obviously is the general manager and, uh, and played together, had, had a good relationship with Steve Nash. Um, anyway, I guess that was the catalyst, like, you know, to join Steve Nash with the Nets and to coach these guys, to coach the two-star players. And then he needed, he needed help because he's a first-time head coach. So he brought Mike D'Antoni, obviously a good coach. Obviously also uh, was considered for the Philly head coach job. I'm not sure what happened there. But, um, you know, I think he's happy to kind of take a back seat this year because he's been in the limelight for so long. He's tasted defeat so often in, in Houston. I think he's happy to sort of reset his coaching career a little bit, take a step back. Uh, and say, look, I've been I've been the head coach of one of the biggest teams in the, the Knicks, the Lakers, with the Rockets. These are big time, big time franchises. I was offered the job for the. Uh, I was kind of, um, what were you like? I was one of the top prospects for the um, for the Sixers job before Doc Rivers was let go from, from the Clippers. And so Mike D'Antoni probably saw this as the best opportunity to kind of team up with his buddy Steve Nash, team up with Amara Stoudemire and say like, look, we can build this uh, team to suit that Phoenix Suns run and gun model with even better players. You know, if, if, if Mike D'Antoni wanted like a, you know, another three-point shooter, not Sean Marion, <laughs> that can run the court and play defense, he's got in Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant can re- return uh, to full health, uh, that's his dream, you know, pairing Kevin Durant with a Steve Nash type. Uh, and maybe Kyrie Irving is not quite Steve Nash, so maybe there's some work to be done there. Um, but Kyrie Irving, of course, is very off- potent offensive player in his own right. So th- it's a dangerous team. There's a lot of question marks, obviously. We don't know what the health is of this team. We don't know what the chemistry is, issue is going to be. We don't know 
Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving if they're going to just start to own um, you know cryptocurrency uh, <laughs> with this team and just demand to be paid that way. We don't know, you know, the details of this team and how they're going to work together, especially as a first team with a first-time head coach. There's a lot of question marks, but I just think with every NBA team, including the Lakers, including the Bucks, including the Clippers, there's, there's, there's more question marks than ever. Even the Warriors, like. How are they going to, are they going to go back to what they were in, in, you know, in 15? Or are they going to take some time to get used to each other again after the injuries and after off, off, you know, season that they just didn't play? And the spurning of Kevin Durant, like, you know, how are they going to fit back together? Because they're definitely one of the elite teams, but we don't know exactly how Golden State are going to bounce back, right? So, I don't know, there's a lot of question marks all around the team, all around the league, and I think Brooklyn... Yeah, can take advantage. Look, I might be biased, but I just think that the hiring mm. of Steve Nash is checkmate. That's a checkmate move. What is a coach? How valuable is X's and O's? Or do you just want someone? Do you think LeBron James is waiting for people to write X's and O's for him? David Blatt was writing X's and O's. He was calling timeouts that didn't exist. LeBron James says, scratch that, scratch that. Give me the ball. Okay. Kyrie Irving, even though you shouldn't have said it, but basically said what, like you mentioned, is already known, which is superstars at that level, they don't need a coach to be telling them how to run drills, how do you like be running sprints and X's and O's on the floor. Just give them the information, give them the insight. And that comes not just from the head coach, but the coaching staff coaching staff. So in other words, the head coach is someone that the top players can buy into, that trust, right, to execute certain game plans that they don't need to question. And that is the difference between a great coach like Kenny Atkinson and a bona fide MVP like a Steve Nash. Players like Kevin Durant and as Kyrie Irving will more likely listen to a Steve Nash. And all Steve Nash has to do now is to surround himself with a great coaching staff, which from all indications he has. He has that in, uh, in Jacques Vaughn, but more importantly, now we have a top-level head coach on the staff and Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni, like you said, he's hungry. He's hungry for winning. And this is a blessing for him. James Harden can't win. He can't play in the playoffs. How many times do we have to watch him turn up small in the playoffs, right? He sucks in the playoffs. Russell Westbrook, he can't, that's, he's not a good fit in that system. He's proven that. And they're, cap, they're cash strapped. And they have that Fertitta Fertata owner who's a cheap ass. Mike D'Antoni in Brooklyn has the resources, the talent, and the money. You can drum up negatives. That's what I'm saying. You can drum up negatives for any team, uh, including the Nets. But I, I see way more positives and and reasons to like this team as opposed to reasons to f find too many faults. You know what I mean? Like, I you know when I think about that across the league, I think the Lakers probably have the least amount of negatives just because LeBron, we assume, is still at, at the top of his game. Anthony Davis is going to take another step in confidence. Um, and depending on what they do with their bench situation, it, it's a, a solid team that's built around LeBron James and Anthony Davis that have now played a season together, a season and a half, season together, full season together. Um, so the Nets, like you said, uh, I think one of those key things they say is a is an owner that is willing to spend whatever it takes 
to dip into the luxury tax and 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 surround this team with the guys you know that's necessary to win and that might include cutting ties with uh budding star Karis Levert and Jared Allen and Spencer Dinwiddie to get secure a true third star and I don't know this is obviously up to Sean Marks and the direction he wants to head into um, but there's a lot of trade talk around and you know it's all speculation and, and some of it's crazy but some of the names are floating around is Giannis uh, J- James Harden Ben Simmons just don't get so greedy Hol- Giannis <laughs> no, no 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 I'm not saying it's going to Nets no no I'm not saying it's going to Nets but what I'm saying is this is a volatile time where the trade market is is up for sale and guys like Giannis is up for sale. Like I don't care what the Bucks say because at the end of the day, if Giannis wants out, he's gonna get his way. He's going to Toronto, um, especially because his contract runs out, right? So, um, I, you know, I'm not saying he goes to the Nets, but it, there's a lot of big time te- names that will change the fortunes of a franchise, uh, you know, forever. If if you know any of these moves are made, and that includes James Harden. James Harden is a top player, and James Harden garbage. Wants to- <laughs> I don't know if he wants to go, but the, the, the Sixers want him. Um, and maybe they, they trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. Um, and maybe James Harden and, ben, and Joel Embiid is a better fit for the Sixers. But you don't know. And I think everything could change. But yeah, I, you know, in terms of going from here right now, I, I like the plans that Brooklyn's laid out, but it's so volatile right now. That's why the offseason... Off season, which is meant to begin, proposed start of free agency November twenty to twenty second. So two days after the draft, we got the beginning of the free agency period, uh, and I assume maybe trades can start then. It's going to be exciting. There's no big names of free agency, but I think the trade market is, might be, you know, especially wrapping up the trade deadline, whenever that is. I think that would be crazy. Talking to Mister S, having some serious private conversations with them. On things beyond basketball sometimes, okay? Not just basketball. We talk about other things as well. Apparently, as soon as the trade embargo ends, we're going to see movements immediately. Big name movements as well? Um, Potentially, maybe not the big movements, but really for this year, it's not really about the big movements, right? Because we have the stars kind of already in place, but we're looking for that third piece that can really solidify championship roster so i'm talking about brooklyn if they can add a drew holiday or a bradley beal on that level right that's that's mm. like that's a huge headline right even though them individually may not be a huge star but if drew holiday went to brooklyn that's huge i think that's huge mm. Mm. Um, if the lakers can pick up a really good piece get rid of that useless clown kuzma and add an important piece, not a star, not a star, not an all-star, but just an important piece. I think that's huge. That's huge. Mm. If we can see some movement yeah. with Oladipo, that's interesting. Mm. Mm. For sure. There, there's some of those like kind of fringe star players, like, and some of them are star players for sure, um, that could be available. But I, I just don't want to discount Giannis. Remember, he's in his last year of his contract last year and he hasn't he has said he wants to stay in milwaukee he's going to toronto how many times i tell you he's going to toronto how they well that's what i'm saying if he if he if he gets traded if he if the bucks know if this organization knows that he's leaving he'll get traded guarantee he'll get traded if they get catch if they even get know that there's a good chance that he'll stay 
they'll play it out and they'll make sure that he, you know he'll stay with whatever he wants, including the Supermax, obviously. But if there's a hint that he's going and you know there's a good deal on the table for him, including you know we talk about like you know maybe a decade of first round picks, I'm pretty sure the Bucks are going to take it. So uh, watch that. That's a name that I think is is going to blow the NBA I don't know landscape for good for a long time since he's only 25 and two-time MVP. He's a good player. He just needs the right fit. He wasn't the right fit in the box, I think. He needs a better organization to help him out. I'm not as as huge on Giannis as I think most people. You know, even though he's like back-to-back MVP, I don't know. I haven't seen him do anything in the playoffs, really. Yeah, no, it's fair. But he hasn't had the team, I, I think. That's the thing. The Bucs are the winningest. That's been the winningest team for two years running. What else does he nah, want? No, well, come on. Like, if you think about it, like, one of the best players is Brook Lopez, a cast-off of the Lakers. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't get to all defensive uh, team without Giannis next to him. That's what I'm saying. Like, he helps players get better. He deserves to be MVP, for sure, just based on his stats. He hasn't shown up in the playoffs because he's the only guy that can... Uh, make a big difference, but uh, you know, what if he joins the Heat or what if he joins the Raptors, like you said, and has a true number two player next to him? That I think that is going to be pretty crazy. It's definitely fair. I'm not saying he's not the best talent. He probably is. Well, he probably is the best talent in the league. Actually, no. That man, I, I take that back. See, for me, I follow winners. I follow winners like LeBron. So for me, it's all about championship wins. I don't. I don't rank these players like individually. What happens if they go on one-on-one, right? So to me, wherever Giannis goes, I think that's like a starting, that, that's the start of an intriguing team. But I'm more intrigued with almost championship-ready teams looking for that one last piece. And that's why I'm more intrigued mm, about fair. Lakers. I'm more intrigued, even if Lakers add someone like a, um, a Danilo Gallinari, who normally might not even be a starter on some teams, but on the Lakers, that could be really interesting. I'm more fascinating with those stories than a Giannis. I'm more fascinating with... Okay, how about... How about this? The Warriors trade Draymond, the number two overall pick, and like, I don't know, five future first round picks. And whatever the contracts... Like, whatever the contracts... Uh, I think works, David right? Stern should come back from heaven or hell and stop that trade. Th- that would not be fair. That would not be fair. I don't need that. That's like a repeat uh, okay. of sending Kevin Durant to the Warriors. Like, God damn it! Like, you just can't win. Okay. That ends over. I reckon. I reckon if they did trade, maybe Clay has to be included. Oh yeah, because you're right. It's too unfair. Maybe Clay and Draymond has has to be be included in any trade for Giannis. Right. That's okay. But you can't have basically you can't have the Splash Brothers with another top three. Like player, right? You can't add the MVP. You can't add the, the current MVP to the Warriors. <laughs> God. But that that's that that would make him unbeatable. Like I, I know what you mean it's unfair because we're talking about championship rate teams. I think the Warriors are in that mix, right? They're they're an elite team, right? Right now, as currently constructed, they're an elite team. Yeah. So, uh, if and especially because they got the number two overall pick, this is considered a weak draft class. I don't know who they what want to draft. But uh, considering that is a high draft pick still, and they got a bunch of maybe some young-ish promising players, uh, it definitely could be swung. It definitely could be a trade that could be had. And the Bucks know that Giannis is definitely not resigning. Uh, there could be worse trades out there. That's all. I feel like a lot of this conversation is actually talking about the deconstruction of the Houston Rockets. You have their head coach going to. Uh, 
you know, one winning situation. And you have Daryl Morey, their GM, going to what looked to be a disaster. But you add Daryl Morey, you add Doc Rivers as a coach, and I feel like the Philadelphia 76ers have kind of just automatically rejuvenated themselves. And it's the Houston Rockets that are now looking very strange and perhaps uh, have now missed their window of winning. They definitely missed a window. I think when they accepted the trade for Russell um, and gave up draft picks as well in that, pre- in, that, in that trade, I think it's over for them. I think James Harden is going to continue chasing stats and ch- chasing numbers, but I think he knows he's not going to win a chip with Russell Westbrook um, and his blow to contract. Um, and also, is he a first-time head coach, Steven Silas? Yes. He's a first-time head coach, right? First time. Um, obviously, he has coaching bloodline. Si- Silas? That sounds familiar, his last name. Is, that, is he the son of, like, um, is it Jay Silas or something? He is the son of someone who was the head, co- who was the head coach in the NBA. Uh, Paul, Paul Silas. Silas who coached LeBron when yeah, he was yeah, a yeah. rookie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in the Cavs. Yeah, the name rang uh, familiar. So, I mean, fine. Like, I don't know what sort of high is or whatever, right? Um, did you want to talk about anything about Houston? I don't, I, I don't put that much stock in their chances going forward. Houston is kind of over. By all indications, Fertitta, Fertitta, he is not looking to spend, especially in the current climate with COVID. It's impacted his business big time. He's had to uh, take line of credit, which is an indication that perhaps money and liquidity is tight for him. Obviously, uh, not only is his business impacted, the Houston Rockets and the NBA business is impacted. So it's kind of a double whammy for him. Uh, I think obviously he needs to keep stars, some stars uh, on this team in order to just have a attractive product. But in terms of building a championship contender, uh, that exercise is now over. Mm. And we we knew Daryl Morey's, like the writing on the wall was, was like the writing on the wall was there for Daryl Morey. Like he was out of there. James Harden's big in China. The Houston Rockets are obviously extremely big in China. This is one of like the marquee franchises in China dating back to Yao Ming um, when he was drafted by the Rockets. So yes, Fatida, Fatada, he wanted to keep that market strong. And, you know, what's better than getting rid of the guy that's responsible for it all? Um, and Darren Murray goes to one of the most liberal cities in America. So I think everyone wins out, at least financially. Apparently the 76ers have, like, really strong relationship with China. <laughs> so this is going to be an interesting development. I think every team does, but it's more like Doc Rivers, who's a you know, champion for, uh, I guess, minorities. And Darren Murray, I guess... Maybe he tweeted it. Maybe he's not like the champion people put him out to be. He 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 turned out to be a martyr, basically. Uh, maybe he just he just tweeted what you know. He basically just tweeted out an image, didn't say much about it, and he's he's copped it all. But I'm happy he's landed with the Sixers. Like you said, I think it's a good situation, and I say that because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this team. I'm a fan of the, you know, the talent on paper, and. I don't know if this is going to work out in terms of Ben Simmons and Joe Embiid um, collaborating and and turning this organi- like you know helping this organization win a champion with those two as a star players. But I like that Doc Rivers and Daryl Murray come with a fresh approach, um, especially because it's contrasting to what they had in Houston. 
they wanted to go big, they wanted to be stronger, but they couldn't. So they had to like remix it. They had to come with like a new bold strategy for them to win games. And it worked for the most part, just not championship. And almost actually did win them a championship to be fair uh, against the Warriors. Um, but now they got two big guys for the position. Joy Embiid is one of the biggest and strongest centers. And Ben Simmons is definitely the biggest point guard. Do they build around those guys and, I don't know, build some modification of small ball? Or, I don't know, do they, or do they just, does Daryl Morey just, he's the president of basketball operations, does he take a backseat and let Elton Brand continue building this team and Doc Rivers um, giving coaching advice? Uh, I don't, ex- what I'm saying is I don't exactly understand his role because he was the architect of small ball. Um, and I wonder what his influence is going to be on the blueprints of this team. But like, it's a good starting off point. That's all. They have good assets, even if they wanted to get rid of one of those guys, Simmons or Embiid. Yeah, I mean, all I know is that prior to these transactions with Doc Rivers and Mike D'Antoni, that organization was a, basically a joke. Uh, people are saying like, is this over for them before it even started? Brett Brown is a total disaster. He couldn't get Ben Simmons to shoot a single three. Despite having to go to the to the media to to say that Ben Simmons needed to shoot threes and he wants Ben Simmons to shoot at least one three a game, and Ben Simmons just totally ignored him and shot zero threes for the rest of the season. <laughs> it's a strange, strange concept. It's it's so easy to shoot like you miss it, fine. Like maybe that hurts your confidence, but it's it's so easy to shoot a three. There's no. There's no barrier because people don't offend usually that far out. So it should be an easy sh- easy shot to get off, right? Just to shoot at least once a game. I think he's just doing this to spite Brett Brown. I don't know why. You reckon? Oh, jeez. Because, oh. I mean, for the most part, he seems like a pretty good guy. Who, Brett Brown or Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons. Yeah, I know. But I think the initial... The thing with Brett Brown, right, is that they say that he's... That he doesn't hold players accountable. And that's the issue. And I think because he was part of the process, um, it just wasn't, people just didn't develop. Like he, that wasn't his role to be like the disciplinarian. And that's not something that you can just switch on and off. So it's almost like post the process, you basically have to have a new coach that has a strong mm-hmm. voice, a new yeah, mandate. I, yeah, and Doc Rivers definitely fits that role. Um, given his work with, you know, other big mouths like uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Maybe not Paul Pierce is not the good example, but Kevin Garnett, of course, you know, how would they work together, the big three in, uh, you know, on the Celtics back when Doc Rivers was head coach there. And, you know, for, even though they only won one championship, like Doc Rivers was a big part of that, you know, that, uh, that resurgence, if you will. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. But, I, I, you know, also just to your point, like how perhaps toxic the relationship between Ben Simmons and, and Brett Brown is Brett Brown has resigned as the head coach of Australia. So he does, he probably does never want to coach <laughs> Ben Simmons again. Okay. You go. Uh, but you know, to, uh, you have to quit Ben Simmons yeah. completely. You can't just like, you can't, just yeah, do a you bit can't, of it. you can't, you can't be on the fringes of him. Yeah, of course. I, I just, I just like, I can't escape the fact that I don't think Ben's, in every interview I've seen, you know, except the fact that maybe he's apathetic, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Maybe he doesn't care as much as he should, but he doesn't seem like a, like an absolute, like, loser, like an arrogant loser. He doesn't seem like that kind of person. Um, 
I think what's hurting this... What if Ben Simmons told the Australian action team that they shouldn't shoot threes? <laughs> so, <laughs> in the World Championships, they just well, don't shoot any I threes. I mean, yeah, of, of, of course. Ben Simmons hasn't earned that clout. Even though he's the best player in, in Australia, he hasn't earned that clout, unfortunately. Oh, okay. He has all the talent in the world. He has all the talent in the world uh, to be the best, one of the best players in the NBA, actually. But yeah, I don't know why he hasn't transformed into that. And also, I think the other thing that might work against this team if they want to keep these two guys is, uh, and you've and you've said as much as well, and Jimmy Butler said this much, that they're not good friends. They don't like. I feel like they don't mind playing with each other, but when times gets tough, they don't really like. They don't really work well with each other. Um, there's a bit of a disc. There's a bit of a disconnect on the court. And three years in now, you, you expect them to have some type of um, like familiarity with each other, but they still kind of f- play off each other. Like Joel Embiid playing way too high and Ben Simmons playing way too, I don't know, like just off, like not part of the offense sometimes. He just passes in and, and like he's not part of the half good offense. Um, he's only effective in the, in the fast break. Um, and you think three years in, like they would be more they'll be a bit better at, you know, playing off each other, but it hasn't been the case. I don't know if that's to Brett Brown's detriment or that's the personalities. It maybe it's everything, but that's why I want Doc Rivers to come in with a kind of like a fresh mind, like a fresh approach and a, almost like a reset and say like, look, we got these two star players. We know they're really good. Let's see what we got in them and let's see if they play together because on paper, we know that's still a dangerous combination. Um, but ultimately, they're on a short leash in terms of working together. And they, yeah, that's it. Like, they can demand a lot in a trade. A lot of teams could still be very happy to have, have either of them, for sure. It will be interesting to see any moves that Daryl, what moves Daryl make, if any. Um, it's possible that he will trade for Harden. And that seems to be a pretty good trade if he trades like a Ben Simmons or would you, Embiid for Harden. Thing is like, and sorry, but yeah, but just think about this. Imagine if they traded Ben Simmons for James Harden, uh, James Harden and then Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <on the same. laughs> Jesus Christ. What Daryl Morey needs to do. Who gets to shoot? Right. Who gets to pass? Right. Who gets? Um, there you go. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh my God! Can you have maybe you have two players get triple doubles? Then you have two players get triple doubles, and every and no one else gets any sort of stats. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Westbrook just rebounds. Uh, ben Simmons misses, and Ben Simmons rebounds. Russell Westbrook's is bricks. <laughs> <laughs> How do they get assists though? Someone has to score. Um, someone has to score. <laughs> look, what's the other thing? Daryl Murray. What if he brought? Uh, James Harden to Philadelphia and then got Chris Paul. Because <laughs> that's the other uh, talk. Although not, not obviously not uh, reuniting Chris Paul with James Harden, but that if he doesn't get James Harden, yeah. he might make the move to bring Chris Paul to Philadelphia. Yeah. And maybe that lessens Look, the pressure. I, I, yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say Joe Embiid's a better talent. Like, obviously, injury questions are a huge question mark, but Joel Embiid is a better player because you don't need, he doesn't need the ball. He can dominate without the ball. And Ben Simmons needs the ball. So if you add Chris Paul on this team, I think that's probably a better team because Joel Embiid is going to be maximized. If you add James Harden, 
even though he needs the ball, even though he needs the ball, he shoots the ball so well that he takes pressure away from Joe Embiid, so he doesn't have to shoot the ball as much. That's a better team automatically. Also, of course, James Harden's way better than Ben Simmons. That's that's without a doubt. Um, but I'm just thinking about the like the correlation, like what needs to be done to get that happening, and I just don't see it happening. Like I can't, like I said, Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook, no. Uh, Chris Paul, so I guess Ben Simmons to the Thunder and get take it away from Shea Gilgis Alexander or um, some of the other kind of you know young talented players that they have. Uh, I also don't see that happening. So Ben Simmons is, I don't know, Ben Simmons needs to go to a team that needs a point guard basically. All will be revealed in about a couple weeks' time. Uh, first, of course. It's the draft, which is coming up very soon, and then got the draft. Uh, we won't talk a bit of, too much about the draft, just because this is not a great draft. I have to say, historically, the worst draft is normally uh, associated with the year two thousand, two thousand draft, where uh, oh, Kenyon Martin, Kenyon Martin, the pathetic Kenyon Martin, got drafted by the terrible New Jersey Nets. Oh, that's ancient history, there. Right, right, but that's viewed normally as like the weakest draft, right? Where he really just right, had like right. well, to be fair, the Nets did go on to go to two final appearances. So you know, you can't you can't be too upset about you know Kenyon Martin drop because he was a pivotal part of that team anyway. Whatever. Look, <laughs> let Lynn wear his dreadlocks if he wants. Some of his best friends are black. <laughs> he's got his hair. He's cut his hair like a good Asian boy. Uh, now now. He's, like, he's back in the gym. He's working out. <laughs> Okay. I want him healthy. I want him back in the league. I can't. I, I need him back in the league. This is the best opportunity he's going to get, right? With the, with uh, this new season. So we'll see. Bold prediction. He joins the Nets. All the Warriors. Sorry. All the Warriors. But Those are two good places, bro. Fuck. I need him back in black. Back in black. The... Okay. Okay, listeners. Yeah. Until next time. Please stay safe. Hail the new king, whoever that may be. <laughs> See ya. When that, yeah. See ya. Thank you for listening to Your NBA Podcast with David and Kane. If you enjoyed our show, please tweet us at Your NBA Podcast.